Welcome to the Two Tokens podcast, which is a public project financed by the European Union in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. During these episodes, we will discuss everything token-related. Here, you'll find discussions about topics such as token business models, the underlying technology stack, token governance, but also more mainstream topics, such as NFTs. Does this sound interesting to you? Then make sure to keep listening and enjoy. Welcome, good morning, good evening, good uh, afternoon, wherever you are. Welcome to the Two Tokens podcast. My name is Alex Bausch. I'll be your host for today. And in today's podcast, we have Andy Martin from London and Jos Reuling from Gouda. So uh, to discuss the token economy and um, maybe uh, I can uh, welcome you and have you introduce yourselves uh, briefly, starting with Andy. Uh, well, hi, hi, Alex, and thank you very much for having me on your show. Uh, and, and hi, uh, Jos, uh, great to see you again. So, uh, Andy Martin from IBM. So for my sins, I've spent 25 years consulting uh, around technology. Uh, the last five or six years focusing just on blockchain. Um, and I've been trying to answer kind of one question that's kind of been gnawing away at me for the last five or six years, which is how do you build business cases for this new collaborative economy? Um, which is kind of been pushing me towards the idea of the token economy. So this is something I've been working on for the last few years, um, mainly from an academic perspective, but starting to have these conversations with clients now. So it's starting to become real. Um, right, so that's and, and, and that's why we were puzzled. You know, we saw somebody write about the token economy and that two tokens were actually doing it. And actually, that's why we invited Jos to this call, being the captain of the Energy Token Working Group. Jos, maybe a brief introduction yeah, so, for those, for the people yeah, who don't know you. <laughs> okay, yeah, Jos Reuling, um, uh, also IBM. I'm the, the captain of the two tokens project for energy tokens. Um, so in, um, my ambition is to um, accelerate the energy transition by these new mechanisms and uh, new uh, ways of collaborating, especially in the deregulated world that we find in North America and in Europe. So when we found some interesting use cases and we're building it out and proving the, the tech that's available. So that's a very interesting um, dynamic to be, uh, to be part of. Right. And uh, we've been, uh, Jos and I have been working, Andy, uh, uh, on the energy tokenization working group for the almost two years now. We start, officially started uh, May 21 last year and we'll deliver the first uh, white paper and the first MVP, uh, you know, in a couple of months. But uh, it, it, for those of you who are new to two tokens, you know, uh, our key objective is to advocate the use of uh, tokens and a token economy, and preferably not in an academic way, but by showing the economic benefits in, in real-life projects. And those tokenization projects uh, have been, among others, you know, uh, in the port, between the port of Rotterdam and Singapore, using uh, electronic bills of lading in energy tokenization, but also tokenization of securities. And, and what we're trying to do is put this on the agenda for policymakers. And this, this podcast was uh, recorded uh, the, first, the second week of March. And earlier this week, we had this executive bill from the White House. What is your view on that, Andy? Is that going to help our efforts uh, in advocating the token economy? Uh, well, I'm going to answer that question slightly differently because 
I think regulation, yeah, but I, so, so, I, so I come from, from the enterprise world, you know, and, and we have to work in, a reg, in an environment where we are compliant and, and we, we comply with the regulations. And I think one of the big things that's really needed for this token economy is a new landscape of regulation. And, you know, when, when I kind of look back and, and ask ourselves, well, why have we got a lot of this regulation, you know, KYC, AML, um, all this healthcare regulation, a lot of it is to do with problems that we've kind of inherited from Web2. This idea of all these abuses of data, you know, the fact that the individual doesn't control their data. So we have all of this regulation, right? And as we move into a Web3 environment, I, I think we, we change that whole reg, regulatory landscape because when the individual is now in charge of their data, um, be this in the healthcare data where the patient maybe controls access to that data or maybe be at financial transactions where you have personal identifiable information next to that, uh, that, that transaction. The whole need for KYC, this financial surveillance, the whole need for protecting the patient from, from people abusing that data starts to change. So, so I think there's a real need to change the, the regulatory environment. And it's great to see that, you know, America is kind of leading that way. I remember in Wyoming, I think they were one of the first to, um, to approve uh, DAOs and decentralized autonomous organizations and start regulating around that. So, so I, I think the whole regulatory landscape is, is really, really key. Um, I, I'm not 100% familiar with what uh, Biden has just done, <laughs> um, other than I guess we're starting to think about, you know, cryptocurrencies being serious um, players now in the financial landscape. And, and, you know, you can see this, you know, if you look at what's happening in, in, in Ukraine, for example, you know, you start thinking and say, well, gosh, is Bitcoin going to stop becoming a reserve currency now? So we're going to have to have a regulatory environment to cope with this. Um, so haven't answered your question directly because I haven't poured through exactly what Biden has done, but I do think we have to see this change in regulation to well, really enable. Yeah, not you know you can find it on LinkedIn and on the, on the internet, but the the, the the couple of executive orders, the first three are really uh, you know uh, more of the same. You know, protect the consumer. You know, do a lot about KYC. You know, uh, make sure that uh, the interest of the government is all, all that we know. So then you tend to think, hmm, how is that going to help crypto assets and crypto and tokenization? But then the latter three executive orders are all about innovation, uh, making sure that decentralized environments and DeFi are going to be, and that America is going to take the charge in that. So I, I think uh, overall we should be happy that America is going to uh, lead the way. Because uh, here in Europe, with MICA, and um, we're also trying to uh, align all these different uh, laws. And that was the purpose of Two Tokens, right? To create a roadmap and uh, help uh, companies and organizations navigate the, the, the wilderness, the jungle of, of what is necessary to, to get anything done in, in terms of legal, regulatory, and, and what have you. And, uh, and Jos is from the energy landscape, and even there, you know, it's not just legal regulatory in terms of uh, finance and, and what have you. It, it's also legal regulatory in the energy systems. So it's, it's the, the whole landscape uh, for Web 3.0 needs to be revisited. So exactly, that, that, that's exactly my point. We need a new regulatory environment. Uh, you know, the, the environment we've inherited reflects the abuses of, of, of data uh, uh, in, in the internet to date. As, as we rebuild the internet in a Web 3, we need 
new regulation to reflect the new environment. And critical to that, of course, is the individual owning access and control to their data. And I think that just changes the whole regulatory environment and regulators need to get their head around that, I think. Um, and, and it potentially opens the, the gate to really change and reinvent industries. You know, the one that I'm passionate about is healthcare and there's so much valuable data that, that, that the patient um, could make available to the development of, of new drugs and new treatments in, 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 new, in the pharmaceutical industry that if only we could un- unlock that door to linking uh, and, and making that data available, I think you could see just massive changes in, in, in industries like healthcare and also uh, uh, every other industry in time, but it needs that change in regulation, I think, you know, to make this possible. Yeah, so Jos, you're uh, from the energy uh, sector, of course. You know, different sectors out there are more prone to uh, early adoption of, of token uh, technologies and token economy. Um, uh, in your view, wh- where are we with uh, the energy sector? Uh, also, in looking at what's happening in the world, a lot of pressure, and you know, we need to change to renewables. How could tokenization and token economy help that transition? Oh, so for me, it means that the um, the current energy system is very complex. Yes, so with a lot of a lot of things that uh, that are very technical, um, that are very hard to understand if you're outside the uh, the sector. So I think that tokenization can can shield a lot of the complexities that are needed to make it work, uh, but create a more an elegant way uh, to participate. So and that is in line with uh, the European Commission's a green deal ambition for more consumer participation. So we need to um, to change it. Um, and I think it's also a challenge that as the energy is an, uh, a critical element of an economy, um, it's, it's highly regulated as Andy already explained. So the tokenization should be um, an addition or a graceful transition and not a rip and replace kind of strategy because the risks are too high for any the regulatory environment, each country to uh, to just uh, remove the current way of working. So that's uh, an additional challenge. I think there is no green uh, green shield, uh, um, a greenfield environment where you can try it out. Um, so th- and that it's quite a lot of different dynamics that we need to bring together. But, but I think I think what's really super interesting, you know, you, you look at the tokenization of energy, and you and you say, well, okay, what what problem am I trying to fix? Uh, and I think, you know, as you said, there's a whole lot of problems in the world as it is, and, and the way that everything works um, today. But you kind of open the door to then say, well, actually, we could reinvent industries, we could reinvent markets, and if you think of tokenization of energy, if you can make that link back to you know where is it come from you know this is this is solar energy um if you can capture this in in in, in an nft so you've now got um a really flexible instrument um you can then build a whole lot of secondary markets as you start creating derivatives of of the back of that energy token you know so you start trading in um you know carbon credits and emission control and 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 you maybe link uh, up, up to other um ESG projects maybe have interoperability with plastic um, um, offset uh, credits, for example, and suddenly you, you create a whole load of secondary markets uh, and, and create a whole load of new liquidity. Uh, and I think it's it's that explosion into the into the reinvention that that is where the token economy really starts to take us to places that, that we can't really imagine today. 
And that's yeah, and, and also to address some of the foundational issues that we see currently in the market, right? So the current me- mechanisms, players, market structures are from a central large entity generating energy flowing to smaller um, uh, bandwidths to the consumers. And with uh, consumerization of energy generation, decentral generation, there is more and more need to, to support that as well. And the grids are not laid out for it. The market systems are not laid out for it. The governance is not laid out for it. So, and indeed, the whole um, energy transition to renewable. So, we have some voluntary um, uh, certificate schemes for the generation. So, that's ESG scope two, right? So, those are the emissions for the energy that you that you purchase for your organization. There are offsets. That's very known. Eh? That's the uh, um, uh, um, contribution for your own activities. We see now use cases popping up of insets, so the scope three kinds of emissions to compensate that. So, and that needs to be, be orchestrated, right? And to be to be visible and uh, and to be monetized yeah, in order yeah. to inspire the changes. And, and a lot of markets uh, are not open for, uh, for instance, activists, if they want to purchase that um, those, uh, those um, certificates in order to, to drive up the price, in order to make uh, use cases more um, uh, appealing for investors to step in. So it's, it's very interesting to see all the different dynamics. Uh, and you said some really interesting things that, Jos. I love the fact you started with the foundation. You know, um, my mind tends to zoom five step, steps ahead, right? But you've got to, you've got to get the basics sorted. You've got to get the foundations um, there. You, you've got to digitize. Um, um, you know the, the the industry. Then you move into this optimization phase where you, we can make the world as it is, you know, better and, and more efficient. And then we then move into this reinvent phase where we suddenly start saying, "Holy smokes, you know, what's the point about having a PDF of, 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 of a newspaper on a, on a website? You know, let's stop using the web, web one in that case, web three in our case, to actually change the way that we do things." Um, uh, and that's where it's difficult to see where this is going to take us, but it is so interesting. So, um, yeah, so, and, 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 on, and on the foundational, as a last point, Alex, on the foundational level, right? So, uh, as IBM Research, we, we coined the term crypto anchors. So, you see now in from the traditional world, the smart meters. Um, so, and, and if I'm skeptical, it's only a remote uh, reading of the meters, right? So, not a lot of smart elements added yet. Yeah. So and uh, and indeed. So here is a crypto anchor from from Sunified, yeah, one of the parties in in a project, um, and it means that we need to leverage what's already there, invested by consumers. So electrical vehicles have a very phenomenal energy management system. Why you need to have then an additional smart meter built on top of it in order to make it compliant to the old rules, yeah, leverage what's already there, and see how we can build new new uh, ecosystems on top of it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so what um, I think is important that we do is that we, uh, you, you know, the three of us here and a lot of our listeners are professionals and they understand and they can keep up. But in order for us to uh, get to adoption of of uh, of tokenized, uh, you know, it, it, that, it, that's a generational thing, I, I believe. But we, we, it's our duty to educate, inform, and inspire the, you know, the world and the industries and society as a whole by showing them the end value, 
by showing them what we're trying to do. And in particular, in the energy token use case, the, the, the value we're showing is democratizing uh, solar energy. And how does that work? Well, I have a 21-year-old daughter. She lives in a dorm. She'd like to have solar panels, but she can't. She doesn't have a roof. But if you can uh, offer that you know, uh, through a portal using uh, fractional ownership with tokenized solar panels, that's a use case that we can sell and can use show today. And what benefit does that make? Well, it, it gives democratized access and raises local support among citizens for, for getting better yields and passive income from, from, from solar energy. And I think um, you know, for a lot of people out there, you know, to, to grasp the concept of tokenization, if you talk about tokenization, you know, they just congested decentralized systems, Web3 and blockchain, and now we start talking about tokenization. A lot of people are afraid to admit they, they, they're having trouble to follow. So how do we do that? I think just show them real use cases and u- real um, 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 uh, business cases and uh, how, how it works. That and of course... So, so question, question. Yeah, so question on that, Alex. So I remember very vividly a discussion that I had in the 90s where we had a, a, over a beer. Yeah, so uh, are your friends having an email address? Yeah. And if they don't have an email address, are they still your friends? Yeah. And it was inconceivable that everyone was primarily contacted with, with email addresses. And I think here the same with tokens. Yeah. Yeah, so, so there is quite some uh, misunderstanding and education to be done on the potential use and value of, of tokens to in order to get it appreciated in the market, right? So, and then uh, crossing the chasm, yeah? So uh, Jeffrey Moore with how to ad- how to create market adoption is, is, a, is a mechanism I think we need to pay an eye on. And yeah. I think we are all three from that area, from that, that, that time period, that vintage, that, um, and I dare say that today, uh, we're still trying to explain how an email is sent, SMTP, POP3, IMAP, but in reality, my mother-in-law, my daughter, she doesn't care, right? She cares about that the mail email gets there. And it's and that parallel can be drawn to tokenization. So uh, it's it's early stages, but I think it's it's important that we show the value, and that brings me to uh, your primer, um, uh, Andy. Can you say uh, maybe you can explain a little bit to our listeners what it is that you're working on? Because you said, oh, I'm taking it from an academic uh, point of view, but I think it's very important because that's how we got to talk, right? Yeah. Well, yes. So when I first got involved in blockchain five or six years ago, I was just so excited about what I was learning um, that I started sharing it on social media, you know, in particular um, on LinkedIn. Um, and and I started having a, I, I, I found out by, mis- by, by accident, actually, that when you put um, a point of view out on, on, on social media like LinkedIn, you can get a whole load of responses back where people like what you've done or they don't like what you've done. Um, but you start to get a conversation, right? And you learn an awful lot. So this token economy primate, this represents really the accumulated learning that I've gained through having a conversation with the LinkedIn community over the last uh, five or six years. Um, you know, and if we, if we start with just this, this, this first sheet, you know, how, how would I define um, the token economy? Well, we're moving in, into a world where you, what really matters is your wallet uh, and the tokens you have in your wallet. 
Um, and these tokens will do three or four jobs for you um, as a um, as a user. Um, critically, um, and this is really so fundamental, you can use this to establish your identity on the internet. You know, so rather than signing in with your Google ID or your Facebook ID and giving loads of useful data away to um, to a Web two platform. Um, what, what Web3 does and what the token economy does is it gives the, the user um, rights as an individual, uh, as, a, as a fully paid up member of, of the internet. So you control access to your data, uh, which is sitting there on, on, on the back end on, on the blockchain. Um, you'll also have tokens to reflect things that you own, uh, which could be an NFT here in, in, in this example. Um, you know, so if, if I think about a healthcare example, um, you know, let's say um, I'm a patient, um, I've got MS, um, I'm looking to go and have a, a consultation with um, my um, consultant. You know, I truck up with my iPhone, I've got my wallet, open up my wallet, establish my identity. Um, so the, the, the consultant knows exactly who I am. Right. Um, I can then maybe give access to my me me medical records, so um, they can see the consultant can see the um, the provenance of my diagnosis to date. Um, I could maybe affect a financial transaction if maybe I'm looking to transfer data from maybe the public um, healthcare system to the private healthcare system. I, I may have to, to 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 make a payment, and I can do all of this through my through through my wallet. Um, through, through, through this new interface, because what you're doing is you're putting the individual in control. So we're kind of moving from an old paradigm to, to the new paradigm. So in, in the old world, the Web2 world, everything that you did as a user was controlled by a central database. It was controlled by somebody else. You had to dance to somebody else's tune. You know, so uh, as a patient going to see your consultant, you've got to try and dig out that bloody letter or, or, or find out or, or try to piece together all the, all the bits and pieces of data which are stuck um, all over the place. Whereas in the new world, um, you are now um, governing your own data and how that data is used um, on this new internet. So there's a massive power shift from the power being held by a central database to the power now being held by the data owner. Uh, which in the case of, 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 of healthcare is, is the patient, right? The right person. Um, and we're moving from a situation where um, your identity is controlled by Facebook or by, 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 by LinkedIn or, or, or some third party central database to you now govern your data and your, and your credentials are verified. Um, and we're moving to an environment where um we're really looking to change the the reward structure. You know, if you think if you think about sort of like a Google or a Facebook or, or a LinkedIn, you kind of feel well. Actually, all the rewards are kind of stacked up for the platform. You know, the platform makes a load of money. They monetize me. Um, this doesn't feel awfully fair. Whereas, as we move into a Web three environment, it's much more collaborative, and we are designing um, reward systems where we're changing behavior so everybody wins. So you know, the patient wins, the consultant wins, the pharmaceutical wins, the hospital wins, 
uh, the clinician wins, everybody wins. Right. So, so of course, no. you're, you're, what you're describing here is decentralized autonom autonomous organizations, and uh, which is uh, the ultimate goal of how we are going to organize society. Um, but I think we still have a long way to go. Um, what is your view on that in, in, in terms of uh, energy systems? Energy systems, uh, you know, they, they are, well, now maybe the smart grids are finally becoming smart. Is that it? And then uh, machine learning mechanisms will organize automatic DAOs and tokens will flow over those. That, that would be a utopia or is that uh, nearby? What do you think? What is your view on that? I guess that's a question for Jos in terms of energy. I, I I can answer in terms of other industries. I don't know whether Jos wants what, to what stop. Is, well, well, let me rephrase. <laughs> well, what would be the energy in your mind? You know that is closest to adoption for DAO and and, and machine because you know that is what we're looking for, right? We're all about right. adoption. So, so 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 if if you look at what's happened in the past, as the incumbent enterprises have come together and said, well, okay, how can we collaborate and start to create these win-win outcomes? They've done so, they've done so using very traditional mechanisms. You know, so you build a consortia, uh, it could be for profit, it could be not for profit, you're probably building a new company, and you're, you're effectively using the traditional method. So the analogy I would give is, imagine we have a website for the first time, it's the New York Times. If you can remember that famous video um, of, Um, Steve Jobs um, doing a demo of, 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 of the internet uh, uh, and he showed the, the New York Times and it was just like a photograph, like a PDF of the time, of front cover of the Times. You couldn't do anything with it, right? So the way that companies are currently collaborating is they're putting that PDF on, on a website. They're using these traditional for-profit, not-for-profit. Not um, and, and I think that actually, as we move towards the token economy, we need a new way for these companies to, 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 to collaborate and a new way for them to effectively scale this solution out from more than five or six folks sat around the table to, to, to cover entire markets or entire industries. So that, that, that's what I think um, a DAO does, a decentralized autonomous organization. Now, in terms of adoption for the enterprise, I think we're at the very, very, very beginnings, right? Um, and I'm particularly in, in, interested in healthcare. That's what I've been working on um, most recently. And you know, if you're if you're a pharmaceutical, um, you know, these drugs that you're uh, designing, they they have like 10, 20 year kind of life cycles before they become generic and then, then fall off the edge of the um, over the revenue line. So these companies are, are willing to think in five, 10, 15 year buckets. So we're just starting to have those conversations around, well, okay, if the thing that I really, really need is the patient data, right? And if that patient data is controlled by the patient, um, I've got to have a new model for how I interact with that patient. And this has got to be done on an open environment. It can't be done on, on closed, locked down central databases or closed lockdown networks. It's got to be open. So you've got no choice. You have to build this um, On, on a DAO. So I, I think we're just literally starting uh, the conversations. So it's going to be five or 10 years away before this is really starting to have real traction on the market. It's not going to happen like next year, I don't think. Uh, oh, well, what's interesting here is that healthcare, like energy, you know, is, is, is in the fabric of society, yes. right? And, uh, and the fabric of society takes a generation to change unless we have a war or a pandemic or some other major event and then under pressure everything becomes liquid. 
But uh, I agree with you there, but it's going to be interesting to see how the current powers that are, you know, are going to handle this type of innovation, right? Because it, 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 on the one hand, we have the governments, you know, centralized banks, and, and we have the we have the the enterprises and the industry, and and we have we have the people, um, and so the parallel I see with uh, energy systems and and, um, and and healthcare is the, the five year, the five to ten year buckets, yeah. right? Uh, th- that's what you. I mean, Jos, you design these smart grids. How do you see this? So, yeah, so to me, for the for the energy system, I think it's we are on uh, at the start, so very very early to understand to move away from the plan economy kind of approach of managing the grids to a more decentralized solution. So, and um, I think that. It needs to, we see early, early signs for it in the UK, for instance. Yeah, there is an, uh, an energy company with a, is designed fully around a customer. You know? so, and they designed an energy offering that's yeah. as different uh, from, from, the, from the traditional energy offerings from a Tesla experience to a traditional uh, uh, vehicle experience if you drive it. You know? So it's a customer at the heart and the customer participation, and they see customer behavior change. Yeah, so that new company yeah, uh, not only uh, interacts with it, with their customers more and more appealing, but as a result, the energy footprint of their customers is reduced. Yeah? Yeah. So, and that's a better way of solving uh, some climate change yeah, than saying, well, let's throw certificates in because that's a governmental regulation, right? So to inspire change. But I think those companies that are that are working internally, yeah, like like Netflix or uh, yes, with with uh, with different squads and having software updates ten times a day, yeah. So that's that's not the traditional utilities, yeah. So they run SCADA systems for the last two decades, yeah, without uh, major changes. Yeah? So I think we we need to look at those different uh, proof points that uh, indicate that change is coming. Yeah, and you said some really interesting things there, Jos. Um, you know, I think we have to start with what is the problem that we're trying to fix and why does this problem need to be fixed in new ways and why can't it be fixed in old ways? And now you're, you're the expert in energy, but if I look at it as an outsider, I say, well, okay, we've got some huge problems in energy. You know, if we're going to move to everybody has an electric vehicle, for example, how the hell are we going to manage that with the, the traditional grid, right? You know, we've got to move towards a more decentralized um, grid where we're using the solar panels on your roof. We're, we have like all of this decentralization of power generation. We need to be, have that peer-to-peer tran- uh, transaction where if I've got spare power in my battery, I can sell it to you. You know, we've got to move from that centralized model to a decentralized model, or we'll never fix the the the, the energy problem. Um, if you think about healthcare, you know, if, if you're a patient and and you go th- and, and you got you got uh, uh, cancer or or, or MS, um, you know, what is the experience that you get? Well, it's bloody awful, right? You know, you you you. you you as the patient have to be the project manager to stick everything together, but you have no tools. All you've got are, are letters and, and, and phone calls and emails. Um, the whole system is breaking down. Um, I can give you a, any number of examples from my own experience in healthcare of where the patient experience is just 
damn awful, right? So we've got to fix that. Now, you can't put it on a central database. We can't put everybody's healthcare records on a central database. That, that, that isn't going to work. It's got to be decentralized. And then you then say, well, what is the other problem we're trying to fix? not just that the patient experience, the other problem we're trying to fix is, well, we need precision medicines, right? We need to be able to design medicines for individuals, not just for whole uh, conditions. Um, and we need to, to drive new pricing models, new incentive models, new pricing models, which are much more outcome-based. The only way we can do this is in a new decentralized model. So if you look at these core problems you're trying to fix in energy, these core problems a society we're trying to fix in health and you say we're never going to fix these on a central database it's just not going to bloody work right and the digital native you know the the, the youngsters coming through will simply not accept the healthcare ex experience they simply won't accept it it's not digital it's unacceptable um and you look at it and in an industry like healthcare and you say well either the healthcare industry is going to fix itself or it's going to be done externally to the healthcare system, but it's going to digitize and it's going to digitize in a decentralized manner in, in, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, so, and I think you're right. So, and it, I think it, it create, it uh, requires creativity yeah, to, to reassess the assumptions uh, to reframe the context and find the problems that we need to solve. Because if we don't, if we try to solve the old problems, then we're not, going to um, be in a, in, a, in, a, in a space that we want to find ourselves. Exactly. The, the, the token economy really is about reinventing industries. Now, we all have to yeah. be pragmatic and we have to recognize that if there's some easy projects we can do to optimize and take some cost out of the existing world, well, we're going to do it, right? And get some money in the bank, you know, because we need to fund these transformation programs. But the objective is not to make the world as it is a little bit better. The objective is to build a new world, right? And, 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 and it's a new power equation, a new political equation, where effectively, you know, you have a far better experience and you control access to your data and how that data is used and monetized. It, it, it's a massive shift in power in markets and it's a creation of a whole lot of new secondary markets. So the question uh, is, will and, and this massive... Last, and, and the last question. But well, the question, so the question I have, you know, with this, this massive shift, Andy, will yeah. it be an evolutionary process or will it be a revolutionary process, right? You know, it, it, oh. and, and, that's, and, and you can't answer this, right? You know, the time will tell. But this is, uh, this is a, a major move, right? We're in transition, right? And, Correct. And Correct. Correct. what we need to do is, you know, make sure that we create that narrative and in, in, in these different sectors, right? There's so much going on and, um, and people um, are just losing track. How can we help them and give, be that guiding light, if you will? Well, because what we're doing here is we're creating uh, you know, a, a more granularity in society, in economics. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's really requiring high-definition economics. Right? That, that, that's what we're doing. And, uh, and different sectors will adopt this earlier than, 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 than others. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd, I'd like to pick up something that you said, you know, and you know, we, we are on the third version of the internet now, the, you know, Web3. Uh, you know, if, if you go back to 1994, it was really, really hard to explain what is a website. Uh, if you go back to 2004, it was really, really hard to explain what is a social media account. Uh, yeah, and right now today, it's really, really hard to explain what is a token um, and what is the impact of token on uh, uh, and tokenization on your industry. 
Um, and I think what we have to do is exactly what you are doing is come up with these examples, these use cases, you know, where, where people can understand. Um, and here you know, in our conversation today, we're talking about use cases in energy and use cases in health. You know, if you look at energy, you know, the problem is how the hell are we going to support everybody having an electric car and plugging it in? You know, our existing grid is just not going to do that, right? We have got to have solar panels on people's houses, uh, on roofs. We have, we have to have solar stations set up um, elsewhere. We have to have peer-to-peer tra- 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 transactions of, of trading of, of energy from neighbor to neighbor. How the hell are you going to do that? You can't do it on one bloody great big central database. It's got to be done decentralized. Right? Uh, if you look at healthcare, how are we going to improve the healthcare experience where, you know, for, 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 for example, um, I, I had an MRI. Uh, it sat on, on the, on the uh, MRI machine for three months in, until I chased it up, you know, because nobody knew that it got stuck in the system. That data had got stuck in, in, in a department. Uh, I, I had a second MRI where I couldn't do it at the main hospital because it was full of COVID. So I'll go to another one. Um, you then go back to the first hospital six months later, they've got no clue that the MRI has taken place. They've got no access to the data. They've got no way to, um, to, 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 to have that useful um, appointment with you. Um, you then move from, from, from the, the, the public health care to the private health care because the, the public health care has put a whole year of delay in, in, into your diagnosis. Um, you, you then go to the private, you see a top MMS consultant and he has no access to your data. So you have to bloody start again, right? So, and the only person who can stick all this together is the patient. The experience is truly appalling, right? We have to digitize that. Um, and the beautiful thing about digitizing it is you not only give a far better experience to the patient as they now have visibility and control of the process, but that data, that um, data which has been used to understand how effective various therapies are, is like gold dust for pharmaceutical companies. They really want that one-to-one relationship and they can't get it today because in, in the, the, the regulatory environment today, the, the pharmaceutical is just looking at massive, great big aggregate data where all the PII has been washed out. So they can't get close to the patient. So they can't develop drugs, which are that precision drug they can't price it in terms of, 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 the, of the outcome-based pricing, and the patient has a crap experience. You're not going to fix that. Well, with a so, so what we're moving towards as a society is to a more decentralized society, and I'm a big fan of Jeremy Rifkin, and if you read his books, he's been predicting that for the last 20, 25 years, right? And if there is something that's going to have to work decentralized, it's, it's the energy systems. Rather than putting everything on a main grid, as, as yours can attest, we're going to have to have small pockets of uh, small grids. Actually, it's, we're full circle again, right? That's how we started 100 years ago. Every city had their own energy company. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and so, in a way, we're going to have to do that a- again. But uh, if, if you look at the advent of, of the internet, and I was there in 85 when I had my first email address and we had TCP IP, you know, we, we, what we need for, the, uh, if, if, if we want innovation in different pockets of the world, we need standards and methods. And, and, and that's what is, is, is coming to bear now. Right? We're talking uh, in, in global platforms, European platforms, you know, on token taxonomies, on standards, legal leg- regulatory. That's a massive undertaking, especially because we have all these different sectors. 
Um, and that is something we're trying to do. But we start small, you know, in small sprints, just show show people the money, where where the the, the benefits are, and 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 take it from there. But it, it it's not a sprint; it's it's a marathon. Um, exactly, and you said something really important there, which is these standards. You know, because if you think of the core problem that we're trying to fix, is we're trying to stop data getting stuck in silos. You know, so data stuck in one hospital, not readable by another, uh, one department, not not to another, um, one um, actor on the value chain to another. So we, we have to we have to have those standards of, of, of data and those standards of interoperability. Um, and actually, the best way to create those standards is, as you say, by the industry coming together, quite possibly in a more traditional uh, consortia, uh, consortium to agree those standards and to agree those standards at the level of a market. Because if we, if we think about these decentralized autonomous organizations, um, um, they, uh, you know, Picking up from, from, from a point that uh, Vice Buterin said a few weeks ago, uh, what's really important are these zones of sovereignty. So if you're going to be deploying your DAO, and it's the healthcare DAO, it's going to have to sit within a zone of sovereignty, you know, a European market or a US market. And it's going to have to be aligned to those standards for interoperability so data doesn't get stuck. And it's going to have to be aligned to, to this new body of regulation. So, for example, the patient can be um, in charge and owning their data and where we can think about the impact at the level of society. So how do we make this fair um, so that we're not um, giving an unfair advantage to the um, to those who can use the technology versus those who can't? Um, how do we bring everybody with us and how do we design an economic model so that we genuinely have that win-win-win outcome and everybody wants to collaborate because they're getting benefits through collaboration. So I think there's a whole load of philosophy and politics and economics that needs to be done to make these decentralized autonomous organizations work. Um, and that's going to be done at a zone of sovereignty, um, I think. So you're bang on the money there when, when we talk about you know, the standards. That's absolutely core to it. And, and so... So, so and I have a question, uh, Alex. So yeah, I have a question, yeah. So uh, uh, Andy. So if, if yeah. you look at the new way of, um, uh, of collaborating and also coordinating all the interactions, um, uh, I got a lot of uh, pushback from talking to clients and said, well, uh, t tell me the risks. So there are so, so we, we understand not all, but most of the current risks. And if we change it, we don't know what type of risk we need to face. So uh, risk averse is something that's in nature of the energy sector yeah. being pushed on reliability because it's so important on our daily life that the electricity is, is always present. So, how do you perceive risk in in your in your view? Uh, well, I think you can you can look at risks from from both aspects. You, you can also say, well, what risks will we reduce? You know, so if you think about healthcare, what you really care about are data breaches and fines uh, through misuse of data. You know, that's one of the things that you're you're most paranoid about. Well, if we move into a, a, a blockchain and a Web3 environment, um, particularly with the regulatory environment that reflects this new world, um, that, that, that risk actually is, is dramatically diminished because I'm now a full member of the internet um, I control my uh, my healthcare records. I control 
who has access uh, to, to, to that data and how it's used. You know, I, I think of the example of Steve Jobs um, when, when he was talking about the iPhone uh, in, in the early days saying, yeah, sleepless nights, you know, worrying about some 14-year-old girl sharing her, her, her location. And he said, look, ask her, ask her, and ask her again. And it's the same thing with using your healthcare data. So we'll have this autonomous agent, uh, you know, I, I, I think of it like a fairy godmother that will be, um, handling the, how your your patient data is used, um, and and will be giving permission each time that 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 data is used. So I, I think it's not just um, increasing risk; it's also potentially reducing risk as we move to to a more decentralized model. Um, and, and, and and think about banking. You know, I mean, you know, banks are paranoid about um, you know. KYC and, and AML and, and getting fined. Well, what have we done? We, we have created a surveillance system, you know, where banks are, are, are acting as some like sort of secret police. You know, they're the, they're the gatekeepers. Well, exactly. Now, in, in 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 the new model, we've actually fixed the internet. So each of these financial transactions already has PII, personal. Um, personal information attached to that transaction, you know, which may start with some uh, government issued identity that can be verified. Uh, so that identity is not controlled, but that identity is verified, you know, so you have um, those that, that, that issue hold verify identity pattern, but you have that, that uh, credential uh, attached to, to these transactions. So suddenly um, it's no longer the role of the bank to be doing that kind of KYC surveillance um, in fact, it could even become unlawful because um, they shouldn't have the right to um, potentially do this and 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 monitor your, your your activity. So again, like the healthcare, you are potentially taking away a a, a, a regulatory risk. Um, you know, because these risks reflect the current world where we have central databases, and if we have central databases, that means one person is going to get kicked if they screw up, right? Whereas if you have a decentralized system um, where the owner of that data is taking on much more duties, you know, it's not just right, it's, it's not just a right, it's a right and a duty, you know, so decentralization isn't for free. Uh, you have to take on more responsibility, right? But it does change that entire re re regulatory burden. So, so I think we need an entirely new regulatory environment to make this Web3 work. And I think it really does change that risk paradigm potentially quite dramatically. So I, I think it's not necessarily about more risk. It could well be about less risk and who is taking on the risk and who is managing that risk. So this, um, you know, we're coming to the end of this, 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 this podcast, um, but this is an actually nice bridge to uh, th this last question that you posed just to uh, a, a round table session that we'll be organizing this spring in May. On, um, we did that in 2019-2020. We had uh, roundtables with three silos of professionals, right? We had legal regulatory people, we had finance people, and we had the industry. And, uh, and we, we discussed dilemmas uh, in, 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 in regulations, for instance. You know, uh, one of the dilemmas was back in two, two, two years ago, you know, blockchain, Bitcoin, bad. Is that bad? You know, a lot of people seem to think so at that time, you know. And so this spring we'll have uh, new sessions. We'll, we'll be looking back what happened in the last two years. But we'll also be, uh, you know, discussing in, in, in roundtables of groups of 10 
the why, the what, and how of dilemmas that we are faced with today. And actually, the risk uh, question that was just posed, Adney, that might actually be a very good uh, uh, um, a dilemma that we could uh, that we could uh, uh, have in the, mm-hmm. in this session. And you're invited. I, I invite you to participate, and uh, we'll, we'll get you over. Uh, thank you. Well, I would uh, like to thank you uh, both uh, for the, for having the uh, having the time to uh, to have the discussion. I, I think we haven't ha- uh, heard the last of you, uh, Andy. Uh, I, I would propose that we uh, use your uh, primer as uh, part of a masterclass series uh, because we've the community that is with two tokens uh, in Europe and across the world uh, have shown an extreme uh, interest in what we're doing. And uh, I think it's our duty of uh, educating the world and the communities. And uh, your primer is just a great example and a great tool next to the token roadmap that the foundation is, is, is bringing out. Thank you. Any last comments? Uh, well, just just my pleasure. It's been a, a wonderful uh, con, 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 conversation today. Uh, we could have talked for two or three hours <laughs> rather than 45 minutes. <laughs> so th- thank you very much. I'm really, really enjoying the chat. Thank you both. Yeah, thank you, Alex, for bringing us together. And and it's a it's a nice journey, yeah? and we we are only starting. So that's a, a nice uh, outlook that we have. Yeah? I'll see you next time. That was it for today's podcast. Thank you for listening in, and please subscribe so you don't miss out on our upcoming episodes. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find our contact details at www.twotokens.org.